Well, good morning. Greetings in Jesus' name. It's good to be here with you all this morning. I did really enjoy the Sunday school discussion. Thank you, Brother John, for leading that. And I was thinking it'd be really interesting to go around and listen to each one tell how they live by faith. We kind of got into that a little bit, but we got cut short in time. So, But it was uh, some time ago, I was asked a question from a fellow I was working with, and he was asking me, he found out I'm a Mennonite, and he asked me about, I don't forget if he said my Mennonite faith or whatever, and so I had to explain to him, it's not about being a Mennonite, it's about being a Christian. But we got the opportunity to talk about that, and he, he asked me, he said, so why do you do what you do? Why do you do the things you do? And so I had the opportunity to tell him, you know, why we do these things. He wasn't talking about how I dress on a Sunday morning. Uh, he was basically talking about taking God's word and living by it. That was foreign to him. He did not understand that. And I said, well, we believe God's word, and that's what we live by. And he, I don't know. I don't know where he is today. It was a very um, interesting conversation. But when he asked me that question, why do you do what you do? Uh, that opened the door for discussion, and I, yeah, we had, we had a very good discussion. Master Tyler, this morning, I feel the Lord led in my heart, is forgive from your heart. And those words come from Jesus in the book of Matthew. He might have shared it more than one time, but Jesus very clearly wants us to be able to forgive, not just lip service. He wants us to forgive from our heart. And why did he make mention to forgive from our heart? Because, brothers and sisters, it's possible this morning to forgive with your lips and not with your heart. People do it all the time. They tell somebody they'll forgive you. They tell somebody they have nothing against you. But it's otherwise. Okay? That's why Jesus said we need to forgive from our hearts. And we're going to get into Jesus' words a little bit later. But the Bible has much to say about forgiveness. And why is that? I believe it's because God knows humans. God knows us. He knows how we're built. He knows our tendencies. And he knows our tendency to hold grudges, to be bitter, to be upset at somebody. And so that's why I think the Bible talks a lot about forgiveness. The Bible never talks about conditional forgiveness. Okay? The Bible does not say it depends who you are. It depends what happened to you. It depends who said it. It's not conditional forgiveness. The Bible never says if you're able to find it in your heart, you need to forgive. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible just says we need to forgive. The Bible is very clear on the need to forgive. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Forgiveness is not just a good way to live the Christian life. It is the only way. There's no other way. Forgiveness is not dependent upon your situation. It's not dependent upon what happened to you. You know, we all have, you might say, well, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know how I've been offended. Well, no, I don't. But the Bible does not give tolerance for that. The Bible says we need to forgive. I think every one of us this morning could refer to something or someone we, that, that hurt us deeply. And why did, it, why did it affect you the way it did? 
Why did it affect me the way it did? Because it was me. Because it was you. That's why it affected you. And let's be honest. They hurt my pride. They hurt your pride. Okay? That, let's be honest. That's, that's what it comes down to sometimes. We get offended at somebody because our pride got hurt. The Bible never says, if you find it in your heart, you need to forgive. The Bible says, forgive from your heart. Take care of it. Don't let it down in there. It's easy to forgive someone if they come crawling back and say they're sorry and ask for forgiveness. It's really easy that way. But that's not always the way it happens. Some people stand tall and straight, maybe even smile and say, if I've offended you, I'm sorry. Okay? Sometimes forgiveness is a one-way act. It's nice if it's both ways. It's really nice. It's a, it's a beautiful picture. If somebody comes and, and asks for forgiveness, they recognize they're wrong, and you can take care of it right then and there. It's nice if it's a two-party, but it's not always that way. I got a phone call one day. A brother called me, and there he was holding bitterness and anger against me. I had no idea. I had no idea he was upset at me. And he told me why he was upset at me. And I, I was, I think I can say, I was innocent. I did not know I had offended him, but I had offended him. And it was real to him. He was struggling with it. I believe I remember the conversation correctly. Communion was coming up in, in his congregation. And he felt the need to clear the air between us. And God bless him for it was a surprise to me when he called me because I did not know. And so I gladly was able to forgive him. And yeah, was I guilty of what I did? Well, I'm not, well, we're not going to go there. I just, I just wasn't aware I offended him, but I had offended him. And he let it eat at him and eat at him until he was angry at me. But he took care of it. He, we took care of it. Sometimes when someone wrongs us, we know we need to forgive. Because as Christians, we know that, right? We understand it very clearly what we need to do. But sometimes we want to punish them just a little bit first. We want them to know how much they hurt us. We want them to know that they offended us. So we want to punish them just a little bit. We know we're going to forgive them a little bit later on, but first we want to punish them just a little. I hope that's not us. But sometimes I'm afraid it is. We want them to know how bad they made us feel. You know, forgiveness from the heart does not do that. Forgiveness from the heart sets somebody free. Sets them free. It's a little bit like when we're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and a couple miles later, maybe you're in the right lane and this car's in the left lane and... You see them put their blinker on. They want to move over because an exit ramp a half a mile ahead. And you recognize the car. It's a car that just cut me off. All you got to do is just speed up just a little bit. Not much. Barely recognizable. Just speed up just a little bit and hold them over. Stare straight ahead and drive, you know, piously. But you're holding them in there because you know they want that exit ramp. Not saying we do that. Just a question. Okay. It's easier sometimes to do those things than what we care to admit. It really is. 
Forgiveness does not keep a score. Did you ever think about that? Forgiveness does not keep a score. We don't remember somebody's wrongs against us. Forgiveness from the heart does not keep score. It's hard not to. But forgiveness does not keep a score. When we forgive somebody, that does not forgive their trespass against God. If they have sinned in their trespass against you, and you forgive them for between you and him, you and her, whatever it is, that does not forgive their sin before God. They're responsible to God for that. You're responsible, I'm responsible for my feelings between me and him, me and her. That's my responsibility. Their responsibility is between them and God. Forgiveness from the hearts, forgiveness from your heart sets you free. If I forgive somebody from my heart, it sets me free. But it will also set the other person free. You know, I felt, I experienced a sense of freedom when that brother called me. Even though I didn't know it up until that point. But when he called me, we were able to clear the air. I felt a sense of joy that everything was taken care of. I was joyful for him because I sensed that he was now free. After we've been set free, we can help set the person free that has offended us. I talked in the onset about lip service. Forgiveness is a lot more than just lip service, okay? Lip service is included and it needs to happen. You cannot assume that your brother or sister knows you have forgiven them. If you have offended somebody and you know it, then you have a responsibility to do. You are responsible to take care of it. Okay? Don't just assume that they know you're okay now because now you're going to be, be you're going to be nice to them again. You're having over for lunch or whatever. If there's an offense has been made, we need to take that step to make sure they understand. It clears the air. You can forgive with your lips, but not from our hearts. But you cannot forgive with your heart and not for not and not with your lips, okay? If you forgive from your heart and you truly forgive, it's over. The other party will know it by your lifestyle, by your actions. And I hope it's by what you say. When I think of an example of forgiveness, I think of Joseph. You know, if there was ever a man recorded in the Bible that had the, had the reason to be upset and angry at his lot in life, it was Joseph. That's humanly speaking. We know that God took him through this. See, we look in the big picture we look down at Joseph's life and say, what a wonderful man he was, and he was. But Joseph was a man just like me and you. The nights were just as long for Joseph as they are for you and I today. Same thing. We're looking at a snapshot of his life. He lived that life, and he was victorious in it. Joseph could have been angry and looking for revenge, but he wasn't. Was he tempted to be that way? The Bible doesn't record that, but I think he probably had those temptations. He was a human being just like I am. But he overrode those thoughts and said, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to do it God's way. He recognized at one point in his life that what was happening to him was from God. And he was okay with that. He was okay with doing it God's way, even though God's way was not what Joseph would have chosen. But later on in life, Joseph looked back. And said, God is the reason that you're here. Talk to his brothers. God, God used him to sustain them. You know, Joseph had a few things that were out of his control. 
And sometimes our life is better. I should probably say all the time, our life is better if it's out of our control, if it's in God's control, okay? But Joseph had a few things that were that were out of control early on that worked against him. And if you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 37, we're going to look at a few snapshots here of Joseph's life and just move through rather quickly. So Joseph had some things that were out of his control. Genesis 37.3 Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a coat of many colors. Okay? So Joseph's father did that as an act of kindness, an act of love, but it worked against it worked against Joseph's relationship with his brothers. Okay? Joseph dreamed a few dreams. Genesis 37.5 And Joseph dreamed a dream and told it to his brethren that hated him yet the more. 37.9 He dreamed another dream. He told it to his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. Behold, the sun, the moon, the eleven stars made obeisance to me. Was it Joseph's fault he dreamed those dreams? Who gave him those dreams? I believe it was God gave him those dreams because of something that was going to happen. Maybe Joseph shouldn't, shouldn't have, shouldn't have said, shared the dreams. I don't know. Maybe that was Joseph's fault. I'm not going to go down that road because the Bible doesn't speak to that. But that was the only thing that maybe Joseph should not have done. But it set the stage for Joseph's brother's hatred and jealousy. That's what it set the stage for. Okay? God was working through all this. God had all this under his control. Next, Joseph, sent, Joseph was sent by his father to check him on his brothers. Genesis 37, 13. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send thee unto them. He said, Here am I. He said, Go, I pray thee. See whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out to the vale of Hebron, and he came, out, he came to Shechem. So Joseph found his brothers, and by no fault of his own, again, what I'm trying to bring out is these things that happened to Joseph were never, weren't his fault, okay? He could have felt like the whole world was against him. The, 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 the soil in Joseph's heart was primed for bitterness and anger and hatred. Okay? His lot in life was terrible, humanly speaking. His brothers conspired against him to kill him, but then they chose to sell him instead. 37, 27. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Down at verse 36, And the Midianites sold him to Egypt, and to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, a captain of the guard. All these things happened to Joseph at no fault of his own. He was just a victim of the circumstance that God was in control of. Did Joseph know at the time? Did he like what was going on? Absolutely not. But as we look back today and Joseph looked back, we can see it was part of God's plan to sustain the Israelites. Okay? If Joseph had not chosen in his heart to forgive and put all that stuff behind him later on, we would not have the story of the children of Israel exiting out of Egypt, would we now? Because he had it within his power to execute all of them. We'll look at that a little bit later on. You know, Joseph could have held hatred in his heart towards his brothers. He could have vowed revenge. You know, when I get a chance, when I see them again, I will have my day. You know, there's people that say, I've heard people say, people speaking against God, and they say, when I have my day in court, meaning on judgment day, then they're going to have their way. 
See, Joseph could have took that approach and said, when I have my day in court, but he chose not to. He chose the way of forgiveness. And I believe God blessed Joseph abundantly for the choice that he made. God was using him. Okay, moving on. Because Joseph was a man who feared God, God caused him to spend a few years in prison. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. Genesis 39, verse 7. This is all because Joseph was a just man. Okay? Genesis 39, verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master, what is not what is with me in the house, and he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Joseph had a responsibility. And she tried to use that responsibility against him. See, Joseph's lifestyle he lived put him in this position. Okay? And now he's in a position of leadership. And now he's also in a position where he could, where he was tempted, he could easily fall. We'll keep on reading. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Everything was under his care except Potiphar's wife. That was it. Everything else he controlled. And it came to pass that she spoke to Joseph day, but as he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. There was none of the men in the house there with her. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled, and he got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand she, and, and fled, I'm sorry, that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth. She called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. She turned the story around, okay? And again, because Joseph was a just man. We'll jump down to verse 20. And Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and there he was in the prison. Did Joseph have the right to be angry and upset at his lot in life? This all stemmed back to his brother's uh, hatred and jealousy towards him, right? That, that's why he was here. He could have held all that against him and saying, it's because of them that I'm here today. But it's clear to me that he did not wallow in self-pity. He made the best of the situation, and in a short time, he was in charge of the prison. See, once again, once again, he lived an upright life, and the jailer seen him. And I believe if Joseph would have been angry and bitter at his lot in life, this would have never happened. This would have never happened. Now, through a series of dreams by other men, and because of his faithfulness and integrity, Joseph, Joseph finds himself in a position of leadership where he had the opportunity to get revenge on his brother. You know, oftentimes when somebody wrongs us, do we ever, maybe I shouldn't have said oftentimes, do we ever when somebody wrongs us think, if only I had the opportunity? If only you had the chance? What if you were given the opportunity to do whatever you wanted to do to the person that offended you? What would you do? Joseph had the opportunity here coming up. They were in his power, under his thumb. He could do with them whatever he wanted to do. What did he choose? Genesis 42. Now when Jacob saw there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said unto his sons, Why do you look one upon another? 
And he said, Behold, I've heard that there is corn in Egypt. Go down thither and buy us and buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest peradventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel come to buy corn among those that came, and there was famine in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor of the land, and, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed themselves down before him with their faces to the earth. Joseph saw his brothers, and he knew them. But he made himself strange to them and spoke roughly unto them and said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, and they, and they knew not him. Here he was. What do you think Joseph thought? What do you think Joseph thought when his brothers come in the room there and bowed down? You think he thought back of the dreams that he had? He might have, but he didn't dwell on that. Okay? If he'd have dwelled on that, he could have easily said, You know what? Here is my chance. Here are the very men that are responsible for my years in prison, selling me into slavery. They're responsible. He could have them all executed right there, no problem. It was all within his power. He had the power to make them pay. What would you and I have done? Sometimes it doesn't take very much to get us offended to where we're thinking, if only I had an opportunity to get back at them just once. Joseph, I don't think Joseph went down that road. Joseph took God's way. You know, if Joseph had these thoughts, and I'm sure the thoughts crossed his mind because the same devil that is alive and well today was alive and well back then. So I think the devil gave those thoughts to him, but Joseph chose not to act upon them. You know, I believe it's quite obvious that Joseph had forgiven from his heart. He did not even carry a hint of a grudge. None. He let it go. Verse 21 to 24, the same chapter. And they said to one another, We are very, verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. This is back when they sold him. And we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. And Reuben answered, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against a child, and you would not hear. Therefore, behold, this also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them by an interpreter. It's clear to me here that Joseph's brothers have been carrying the guilt of what they did all these years. They've been carrying that guilt. They never forgot it. They did not know Joseph here. They did not see who it was. Where did their minds go? Right away. It's because what we did to our brother Joseph. So you know that was in the forefront of their mind for all these years. They did not forget it. Guilt has a way of doing that. So from here, from this scene right here that we have, until the beginning of chapter 45, Joseph tests his brothers. And I'm not going to read through all that. We know the story well. So jump to chapter 45, verse 1. Joseph tests his brothers. <clears throat> 45 verse 1. Then Joseph could not refrain himself any longer. I'm sorry. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all that stood beside him. He cried, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known to his brethren, he wept aloud. The Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am Joseph. Does my father yet live? 
And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. Why were they troubled? This was a long-lost brother. I mean, come on. If I have a brother I hadn't seen for some 20-some-odd years, I'd have been excited to see him. Well, I think we know why they weren't excited. Joseph said to his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now listen to verse 5. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Joseph very clearly knew it was God who was behind all this. God had used Joseph to go through that time of trial to sustain the land. And Joseph had stood the test. Joseph went on to invite his entire family to live in Egypt. Genesis 47, verse 11. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them possession of the land of Egypt in the best of the land. Joseph did not only invite his family into the land to live there in a little corner somewhere, he gave them the best. Does that sound like a man who's holding even a hint of bitterness in his heart? No. Joseph had forgiven. He put it away. He said, God's way is better. Did Joseph understand why he was going through all the years of trial? Did he understand? No, he didn't. And today yet, what we're reading about today, he had the opportunity to get revenge. Was he tempted to get it? I think he probably was at times. But he'd put that far enough away that he was able to rise above that. Forgiveness from the heart. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren. You know what that term nourished means? He made sure they had plenty while they were there. Remember, there was a famine in the land, right? He made, sure his, he made sure his father and his family were well taken care of. And Joseph nourished his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread according to their families. He gave them food according to the amount of people they had in their household. It's a beautiful picture of forgiveness there. Beautiful picture of forgiveness. It doesn't sound like a man who was holding bitters in his heart. You know, it's such a when I when I read when I read over that story, it's just such a challenge to me that I can forgive my brother who's done a little thing against me. That I can just put it away and let it go. Joseph did it. To, uh, he had a whole lot more to let go of than I ever did. So as time moved on, Israel died, and the family carried his request to bury him in a certain spot. And shortly after that death, we have this exchange between the brothers. Genesis 50, verse 14. They still had not quite grasped that Joseph had put it all behind him. Okay? We have, a, we have this exchange between the brothers. I think they still had a little bit of a fear of Joseph. You know, he had the power to make him pay, remember. Genesis chapter 50, verse 14. And Joseph returned unto Egypt after burying his father. He and his brethren, all that went up to him to bury his father after he had buried his father. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which, he had, which we did unto him. They sent a messenger to Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God, of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when he spake unto them. They had a fear that he was going to come at him now yet. And it, it, it burdened Joseph's heart to hear that they did not fully trust him yet. 
that they had not fully accepted that he was not going to try to get even with them. They figured Joseph had to be hanging on just a little bit of anger yet. I mean, come on, everything we did to him, he just forgave us? It didn't make any sense to them. It doesn't make any sense to the non-believer, does it? Joseph proved to his brethren and all the generations following that he had no bitterness in his heart. None at all. He had the opportunity to get even, and he didn't. Somewhere along the way in Joseph's life, he decided that vengeance belongs to God, not to him. And see, it's, it's hard for us sometimes to let that go. You know, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. That's in, chapter, that's in Romans. We want to be part of the repaying process sometimes. Sometimes we want to make people feel what they made us feel. That's not our job. See, that's not forgiveness from the heart. Somewhere along the line, along the way, Joseph chose to forgive. And brothers and sisters, that's where it's at right there. You have to choose to forgive. It's not something that's going to be easy. It's not something that's not going to come natural. If I asked you for a raise of hands, who all would say this morning it's just natural for me to forgive? I just do it without even thinking. You know, it, it, it's not because it goes against it goes against our human nature. We've been hurt. We've been offended. People need to know about it, especially the person who offended me. Is to know how he offended how he offended me. Forgiveness from the heart doesn't do that. Joseph figured that out. Somewhere along the way, Joseph figured out that forgiveness brings peace. How many of you here know this morning that when you have something against your, in your heart against somebody, how it eats away at you, it makes you bitter, it makes you angry. And when you finally choose to, notice that choose, you choose to put it down and forgive, your heart is flooded with peace again. Okay? That's what happens. Joseph figured that out early on. Did Joseph have to forgive more than once? I trust he probably did. He was a human being just like me and you are. I think he probably had to forgive over and over and over. You know, as a man many, many, many years ago, that makes me sound old, okay, a lot of years ago, that did me some wrong financially. And I was determined to make him pay, but I didn't have the power to make him pay, okay? If I'd have had him where Joseph had his brothers, I would have made him pay. Believe me, I would have, okay? back then i hope i've learned since then but you know i held that hatred in my heart towards him for a lot of years every time i thought about him it just, it would just it would just it would just well up inside me and i just boy i just thought boy yeah if only i could but you know the day came when i realized how wrong that was and i forgave him and it didn't go away the first time i forgave him but every time i thought about him i forgave him again and again and again and, you know, all of a sudden I realized, well, you know, I haven't thought about that guy for a long time. I didn't forget about it. But when I thought about it, it didn't, it didn't bother me anymore. God had, God had helped me forgive from my heart. It wasn't easy. Today he still owes me the money. Okay? I mean, but that's irrelevant. I decided, you know, that's between him and God. That's not between me and him. I'm not saying that to brag. I said it's to my shame. I should have figured it out long before I did. Okay? It took a while. God had to work on me for quite a while. It didn't take God a while. It took Ivan a while, okay? Let's get that straight. There's a lot of details that we don't know about Joseph's life, but we do know that he overcame bitterness. He overcame anger. 
and he forgave from his heart. And he proved that when he had the opportunity. His brethren were there in the floor in front of him. He could have had him executed in any way he would have wanted to. And we could have read back in the story and said, yep, that was Old Testament. That was He was justified to do that. But no, he chose to forgive. And he showed that to those after him and to us today. It's a true picture of forgiveness from the heart. You know, in Genesis 50, verse 17, the word forgiveness there is used. That's the first time it's used in the Bible. Okay? First time the word forgive is used. And after that, it's found many, many more times. Let's turn the New Testament to Matthew chapter 6. And you, of course, recognize this as the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, Jesus said. Okay? So sin here in the Lord's Prayer, here in this verse, is represented as a debt. We have nothing to pay, do we? Nothing. There's nothing we have to pay for the debt that we owe to God. We want and we need forgiveness that can only come from the free mercy and grace provided by Jesus Christ. That's the only way. Okay? That's the only way it can come. There's no other way. But then are we okay if God forgives us the way we forgive others? Are we okay with that? Are you okay this morning if God forgives your sins? the way you have forgiven other people, or the way you are forgiving other people. Because it says there, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay? So what you're saying there is, God, forgive me. I have this great debt I need to pay. I need, I need, I need to have forgiven, but I want you to forgive me the way I forgive my brother. Am I okay with that? That is, that's what we're saying. That is what the Bible says. I'm not making that up. Okay? That's what the Bible says. If we have not forgiven those who have wronged us. Can God forgive us? Can God forgive us? I think not. Let's stop and think about this. You know, we're asking God to treat us how we treat others. Oh yeah, you may treat others very well when you see them. Okay? This morning I didn't see anybody treating anybody unfairly. Nobody. Everybody's been kind this morning. I didn't see anybody... It all looked good. But it goes further than that. It goes further than that. What, what's going on in our mind? How are we treating other people in our minds? God knows that. I don't see it, but God does. And that's what's important. Forgive me as I am forgiving others. What if God would say, yeah, I'll forgive you, but first I want you to feel the way I felt when you sinned. Is that how God does? No, he doesn't. God doesn't do that. Does God say, how many times do I need to forgive you? I've forgiven you umpteen times for the very same thing. Sometimes that's what we do to people, right? Somebody wrongs us and they ask for forgiveness and we say yes. But we want to say, you know what? I want to see some fruits first. Prove to me that you really are sorry. That's not what God does, does he? No, he doesn't. Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15 for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Wonderful. Beautiful right there. If we forgive, God will forgive us. But if ye forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. 
That's the verses right behind that very beautiful verse on forgiveness. If we don't forgive, we won't be forgiven. Which of us this morning wants to stand before God with our sins piled before us? I don't. I don't think you do either. We need to forgive, brothers and sisters. We need to forgive from our hearts. Jesus makes it crystal clear. Why is it so hard to understand? Why? I'll tell you why. Because it's me that you offended. It's you that were offended. It's hard to put that down sometimes. Sometimes the offense comes from your very own family, your church family. It's hard to put those things down sometimes. Maybe we understand it, but we're not living it. It's not the way we're conducting our lives. You know, Joseph, he lived it. We have, we have the Bible to tell us how Joseph lived it. He didn't just simply say it. When he told his brothers who he was, he meant it. He meant it when he said he's not holding anything against them. He didn't say it in those words. But he meant it. He lived it. For the rest of his life, he lived it. In Matthew 18, you can turn there. We'll be reading that account. In Matthew 18, uh, Peter thought he was really impressing Jesus when he wondered about forgiving his brother seven times. It's wondering me why he used that word, why he used the term seven, the number seven, you know. I'm not sure why he used that, but that's what he used. But then Jesus tells a happening to help Peter and us understand the seriousness of forgiveness. Okay? Matthew 18, we'll start reading at verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother offend? I'm sorry, let me start over. Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I sin unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Do you think Jesus meant 490 times, by the way? I think not. Therefore, it's the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him which owed him 10,000 talents. Forasmuch as he had not to pay his Lord commanding to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, and saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence. He laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell out at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. He would not, but he went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry. They came and told him the Lord what was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, as I had pity on thee? And the Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentor, so he should pay all that was due unto him. We'll start reading there for now. Verse 23, this fellow had quite a debt. Let's break it down for easier understanding for today. A denarii was a, day's, was a day's wage, okay? A denarii was a day's wage. So at six days a week, 50 weeks a year, the average labor earned 300 denarii a year. That was the average payback then, okay? If you, if, so if you do the math, it would take 20 years to earn 6,000 denarii, which is equal to one talent. 
So the king could say, congratulations, you've worked 20 years, you earn one talent, you have 999,000 more to go. You do the math, 200,000 years. It would take to pay off the debt, okay? All right, that's all it would take. For easier calculations, 10,000 talents a day would be around $7 billion, okay? Does any, of us have, does any of us have any idea what $7 billion is, okay? I don't, but anyways, it's quite a debt. The man had nothing to pay in verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, he had nothing, he didn't have anything to put against it, nothing, okay? His Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. And that was not uncommon in those days to sell your family, to be sold, okay? We don't hear about that today anymore, but that was not uncommon back then, okay? The servant could do nothing but beg for mercy. That's all he could do. He had nothing else to do but beg for mercy, okay? The king was moved with compassion, verse 27. The Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, why? Because he saw the great debt that he had, and he had no way he could ever pay it. Okay, 200,000 years, there's no way it's going to happen. He realized the sad plight this man was in. A great debt and nothing to pay. Completely impossible. Completely impossible. The king knew the man's family and future were in his hands. Okay? And what did the king do? He chose to forgive the debt. Beautiful, isn't it? It's a beautiful picture. You know what that picture is? Of course we do. That picture is you and I before an almighty God with a debt that we can never pay. There's no chance of us paying the debt that we owe. Not a chance. We all stand before God with a debt that is insurmountable. We can never pay it. Never. God knows that. He forgives us the debt. It is gone. The $7 billion is gone. It's history. Now, verse 28. is you and I. We've just been forgiven, remember? Okay? This man was just forgiven. The same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 pence. 100 pence in today's value is about $5,800. Okay? It's a sum of money. But it's not, you know, all most of us here this morning could probably pay that today. Today's Sunday. Tomorrow we'll pay it, okay? We could probably pay that or we could have means of getting it paid, okay? It's not an insurmountable debt. It's affordable to pay. Verse 29, the servant had no money, okay? His fellow servant fell, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him. Does that sound familiar? It's the same thing he had just done earlier, Okay. Same as verse 26. He said, have, have patience, I'll pay thee all. But he would not. Verse 30, and went out and cast him into prison who should pay the debt. You know, we can look at this and say how foolish this man was. He'd just been forgiven $7 billion and the guy was in $5,800 and he cast him into prison. How foolish is it? Do you know how foolish it looks? It must look to God when we had this huge debt that he forgave us and then we hold something against our brother or our sister because it did something against us. That's how trifling it is. It's, 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 it's I don't want to use the word, it's, it's, it's a joke, but it, it's silly. I like that better. It's silly, okay? How that must look to God of what, of what we have done, what we, what we deserve, and then what we're, what we're willing to do to our brother or sister. 
It's a perfect pitch of the tiny amount our brother owes us, but we will not grant him the forgiveness that he so that he that he desires and deserves. We won't extend the arm of forgiveness to him. Verse 32 again. The Lord, after you got called him, said to him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? That's what God is saying to us, brothers and sisters. Should we not also have pity on one another as God had pity on us? Of course we should have. His Lord was wroth. Deliver him to the tormentors, he should pay all that was due unto him. Listen to verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. Okay, forgive from your heart. It's not a suggestion. It's not if it feels good. Because a lot of times it doesn't until it's done, okay? It's not if, well, you don't understand what they did against me. No, I don't understand. But God does. God does. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you, if you from your hearts forgive unto every one of his brother their trespasses. Where are we at this morning, brothers and sisters? Have we forgiven from our hearts? You know, are you and I willing to stand before God having received the forgiveness for the debt that we could not pay, but not extending the arm of grace to our fellow man. Are we willing to stand before God with that on our hearts? You know, whatever it is that offended you and me, it may seem like a big thing right now. It may. And some things are big, okay? But when you stand before God and try to explain that to Him on Judgment Day, I think it's going to look pretty silly. I think it will. It'll seem pretty small. You know, Jesus knew what he was doing when he used the the numbers that he did. You know, an insurmountable debt compared to a real tiny debt. He knew what he was doing. I know how it feels to be offended, and I'm sure most of you all do too. And, yeah, I've been there to where I want a person to come crawling back to ask for forgiveness. But what if they don't? Am I still responsible to forgive? The answer is yes, I am. I'm still responsible to forgive. So God bless you. Shall we have a song?